Welcome to the Village Podcast. This episode is on a sensitive topic, and some of the things discussed on this episode might be very triggering. Listeners' discretion is advised. Our guests are sharing their personal experiences, and therefore we have decided to protect their identities by filtering their voices. We have also decided to bleep out the parts where the names of our guests were mentioned. We hope that you enjoy this episode. wondered like you know those to my radio presenters who start welcome to more money in your pocket <laughs> best late night game show where a few contestants will stand a chance to win a prize all you have to do yeah <laughs> reminds me of those people used to do poems on assembly malimba Lusungu, if you, do you remember them crashing on the rocks of a perishing road. Crashing! On the rocks of a perishing road. Excuse me, I'd like to let you know that I was one of those kids and I don't appreciate the, the comments. And thank you. Thanks. Please and thanks. We'll keep that in mind. Um... All right, I think we can begin. So, welcome everyone to <laughs> today's <laughs> to today's uh, episode of the Village. We've got a very, a very, very exciting lineup for coming up for you guys for the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about tradition in Zambia because um, since Zambia is a sovereign state. Uh, officially, we now have the opportunity more than ever to shape up the traditions and customs that we want to leave behind for the next generations of Zambians that people like our late uh, first president, Kenneth Kaunda, wasn't able to do till 1964. May he so rest in peace. So with us today, we've got a very different panel of guests um, because... You know, we want to switch things up a little bit. So we have, um, we have, if you would like to unmute yourself and say hi, just, yeah, so yeah. No, it's fine. Hello, everyone. We have Chinkuli. Hello. We have, um, we have. Hi. And we have everyone's favorites. Hi, my name is <laughs> <laughs> I know what the point in primary school. That's awesome. And then also, additionally, we have the regulars, Chief Sui from Isoka. Um, we have Malimba and we have Walusungu. What's good, guys? Hey, what's good? How's it? How's it? How's it? All right, so to kick off our Tradition in Zambia series, we'll be spilling all the tea today on women in Zambia. And specifically, we're talking about tradition in women, uh, tradition and women. And we're going to just, you know, kind of unpack things like if you're married, 
Chilanga Mulilo, all these things, and just talk about like uh, from the perspective of what our traditions are, what are people's experiences from their own life, and like what I guess like research or our modern day understanding of science is about some of the traditions and how we can kind of move forward in a more sustainable way. Um, so maybe just to kick off things, I'd like to ask our guest, um, female guests today, uh, what your definition of tradition is. Anyone would like to like to take it up? Um, for me, tradition is um, a belief that a, a group of people have of how they should be living like the way they're supposed to be living their lives basically. Mm -hmm. We actually, when we were drawing up this, um, like the plan for this conversation, um, we actually were like, oh, isn't tradition just peer pressure from dead people? <laughs> like quite literally it is. Um, but I think that definition also suffices. Um, I think Google says here that tradition is the transmission of customs or beliefs for a generation from generation to generation or the fact of being passed on in this way. Um, but I think peer pressure from dead people kind of, you know, uh, sets it up pretty nicely. Um, and so why we're talking about this is because we want to seek better understanding on like women's experience with tradition. So maybe it's good to just kick off the conversation by talking about the overall topic of marriage. Uh, and I know this is a spicy one. You guys can also like, oh, sorry, this is off the record. Um, you can cut this out too. I just wanted to say that you guys um, should probably keep your mics unmuted just so that like it's a, it feels like an actual conversation because if you like laugh, it won't be recorded in the clip. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so that we have like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Cool, cool, cool. Because the BT, the BT so. All right, all right. But so recording three to one. Cool. So to kick off our discussion today, we would like to start off with talking about tradition and what it says about marriage. Um, so I'll just go right off the bat, like at this point, do you feel like pressure from relatives to marry? Do you feel like, have you heard like uh, maybe guys, Zambian guys of the same age receiving like the same pressure or like, do you feel like it's something that from birth has been like, you know, encouraged you? Where do you guys think it's coming from? Like what, just what's your experience on like the topic I, of tradition and marriage? I think let me just start off like many girls here would agree with me that in most African homes they, they're, they're constantly telling you can't be friends with boys at this point where we are we're told <laughs> we don't have boyfriends we should just be staying home you know but at the time when they feel like you should have you should start preparing yourself to be married they'll be like where's your husband where's your husband I mean I have I, I know someone who's 40 years old right now she's she's never been married and she's constantly being told you have to get married you have to get married but she she just tells them okay when when i was younger 
you are telling me not be friends with men. Now I don't have male friends. Who do you want me to get married to? (laughs) (laughs) No, they say men are not your friend. That's what they say. Like in in some cultures, I don't know, different tribes have different things, but they say a boy cannot be afraid. But these are the same people who want you to get married. So it's very, I don't know. Hmm. Do you, do you, that's actually very strange um, because I've, maybe, maybe maybe other people have experienced, I've actually heard this before. <laughs> so that's actually very strange, but not from like fellow guys, but fellow women. But I was going to ask, like, do you guys know where this comes from? Like, where does that, yeah, where does that, what's the basis for that? Like, why would they say don't, is it like avoiding pregnancies too early on? I don't know. I think like um I feel like a lot of our culture um or our traditions and customs that involve women and girls are really rooted in um modesty. Like modesty is like the prime value um that a woman can have, right? Um so I feel like when it comes to being friends with guys, having guy friends or whatever. There's always been a fear of what do you talk about with that boy? What does he say to you? Um, what are you doing? What what can you do with a boy when you're friends, you know? It's like, it's the assumption that a girl and a boy can't have anything in common at all. So the only thing that you can be talking about or doing has to be romantic, quote-unquote romantic in some way. Mm. And yeah, as a girl... You shouldn't be ready for that until, yeah, 20 yeah. something, depending on the family and the tribe. And this starts from a young age, right? So I'm even wondering, like, what other things do they tell you about marriage when you're young? Like, do you even have these conversations, like, when you're oh. six? Yeah. It's funny that you asked the first time, and I've, I've talked about this with my friends before, but like, um, it's a memory that came to me like recently. I just realized the first time I was told I would be a bad mother or a bad wife, I was, I think, 10 years old, 10 or 9 or 10. I had just learned how to multiply by 12. That's all I remember. Um, and that's when, that's when people already had expectations for my fatherhood and my roles as a wife. Mm. And you know, like, like adding on to what she said, I think sometimes there's a, there's a I don't know how I can put it, it's like uh, the transition is not clear, it's like people don't know when um, to start talking about these things, so it's like you don't talk about them at all for the entire duration of growing up. And then suddenly when we are 18, this girl who's never heard about sex in her life or marriage, and she just hears about it from her aunties, and then suddenly they're telling her all these things, and she's just like, wait, so where am I supposed to get a man from? I don't even know what what to do. Because we've never talked about this subject. It's like, if we had kind of like stages of age-appropriate conversations throughout somebody's lifetime, I think you wouldn't get what Chi-Chi said her friend experienced because the the person would be prepared, I guess, to make the decision if they do want to marry, 
they would like you know have an idea of what's going on have friends and everything rather than keeping kids completely in the dark about some of these things because if they don't find out from you a parent who loves them they're going to find out from their friends and break them Mm. Mm, 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 mm. that's team also the, the just to add on to Chinkuli's point like guys the multiplication table for times 12 is hard like hey. <laughs> it's wild <laughs> I just know 12, 24 36 and then after that hey, don't as soon as I got to 72 I felt like I was a G right because it jumps 50 <laughs> It's from 60. <laughs> exactly. It's like 48, then, then 60. Yeah. <laughs> it's when? <laughs> yeah. So, do you feel like generally, like, topics about, um, about adult life, like things like, you know, like maybe, you know, sex or, you know, understanding your body, as a woman, our conversations that are had and like how in depth do they go or are they generally recognized? Like, I don't know, like, is it a taboo to talk about your, um, like, I guess, you know, talking about like the more, how can I say, R rated conversations maybe that need to be had when you're younger? Like, do you, do you ever address them as young? Like, you know, as young women in Zambia. Um, I, I feel like it's something that's not really talked about. Because first, from my experience, um, most of my friends and I learned about, like, um, sex and all that kind of stuff just from each other, like, in primary school and the like. But none of us actually heard any of that directly from our parents. So I don't know, it's like this information that's passed on to us from our peers and I feel like for some of my friends I heard were, they were told about these things by maybe their older cousins or their aunts but they, from what I know there really isn't a structured way of teaching children about these things. Did you guys for, for children, for family, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 what is it called? Babana. Okay. 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 Oh, yes, mommy, daddy. <laughs> Guys, I used to call it house house where I was from. Oh, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So they have this thing that they say at uh, eh, it's not for your age. Like yeah. they tell us things are not for your age, but they don't tell us when it will become for our age. So just like um Chinkuli and were saying and were saying, it's not specified. Like we are not told, okay, from this period to this period you will know this, and then from here, you will know this. But there is something, like, when someone starts their periods for the first time, you would be told things, but you won't be told to a certain extent. So it's it has no organized structure, if I can say. 
I feel like if I can piggyback off what I was saying, I feel like there's like this really broad spectrum when it comes to talking to your daughters about like big people things. Um, like, and I feel the problem that I have with this spectrum is like I feel most I feel like most of our parents fall on the extremes of the spectrum. Like it's either like you barely talk to your daughter about anything at all or like you talk to her about too much, but it's in like such a disorganized way. Um, for example, like um, raising your daughter, you can tell her like, oh, don't play with boys, never play with boys. And then that's all she'll ever hear. Or then sometimes it's, oh, don't play with boys, don't have sex you're going to get pregnant or you'll never tell her about like um, contraceptives or period health and stuff like that. And then you can never really question what you're being told. Well, this is in my experience person. I don't, I don't think I can speak for everyone, Um, but it's hard to question what you're being told when you're like, when it's introduced to you in such a confusing way. And it's like, don't touch boys don't talk to boys or don't play with boys like that. But then at the same time, you're hearing, um, you can't act like that. You can't act like this as a girl because how will boys see you? You can't talk like that as a girl um, because what what will become of you when you decide to become a mother? So it's like, um, there's this weird dissonance thing that goes on. It's like, oh, am I, am I prepared? being the person I am right now because one day I will be a wife and a mother or am I being the person that I am right now because I'm trying to avoid contact with boys and men like it's really disorganized um not to not to trash any of our mothers and aunties they did great jobs but like um like it gets confusing you know and then like that wreaks I feel like that wreaks havoc in in like a girl's head like okay am I supposed to be this am I supposed to be that and it's it's too much pressure <laughs> it's too much pressure so do you think the solution like and okay so this is from what I'm hearing like do you think the solution is to either raise both guys and girls with the th- with the idea of in the end you guys are going to become fathers and mothers at some point and balance the like um that like you balance those reminders or should you say that we should have these conversations quite all right at like you know age appropriate stages but we should the same way it happen as intensively on at least from what i know on guy the guy's end should it also not happen on like a woman's end like, should girls not be forced to clean the house just because they are women and they're going to be, like, they have this idea of mothers cleaning the house in the future or something. Like, should it happen because, oh, guys should also clean because one day they're going to be fathers or should guys just clean because, you know, they should just know how to clean and it should be a balanced thing. Like, I'm just seeing how much attention should marriage be given to on a gender basis to children in Zambia. What do you guys think? 
I think one of the things that I'm passionate about is giving people the choice. You know, like um, Jesus, if you like in the Bible, Jesus talks about how some people won't even get married. Like, well, some people can accept the gift of marriage, but others just won't. And I think a lot of us grew up with the idea that if you are not married, means chapwa, it is finished, there is no hope for you, you will be um, an enemy of society, you would have rejected all the traditions of our country and our, our ancestors, and everybody frowns upon you. It's like children should be told, you know, one day if, 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 if you meet somebody that you love and you want to get married, you will get married, but not that an eight-year-old girl should be made to believe that if she's not a good mother, then she has no value in this world. I think that's where I have, I personally have a big issue with it. Children should be brought up with the idea that it is possible to become a mother and motherhood is a beautiful thing. But if you don't, there is nothing wrong with you. For sure. Yeah, for me, I, I think I'm a very huge supporter of preserving our culture. But then, there are certain, uh, I, the only point at which I am like, I can't support this is when there are oppressive uh, practices. So when it comes to raising boys and girls, I feel like we should not be kept in the dark. Kids are not supposed to be kept in the dark. And that thing for, oh, they'll go and experiment. It's true, they'll experiment whether you tell them or do not tell them. And so when you're, when you're trying to raise kids, they're supposed to tell them how life is going to be at this, at, of course, at an appropriate age, how life is and what happens in life. And just let, just let them um, be in the light, in the know of everything that happens when they're able to take it. And then just as say they should be given the choice because not everyone is called to marriage. And as Chinkuli said, you can't be telling a girl, no, you have to clean. If you don't, you'll be a bad mother. What if this girl doesn't even have a womb? What if she's unable to have kids? Okay, mm -hmm. of course, there's a question of adoption, but then that, that people should have the choice. And I feel like that's one aspect our traditions have failed to to look at. They're like mm -hmm. they're still stuck in this in this place where they think, oh no, we can't tell kids this because they'll try it out and then girls are meant for this, boys are meant for that. So that's just one part and we need to rewrite that. Mm -hmm. And so that that's a very wonderful thing because it kind of segues into the next part of our conversation, which is, you know, like before I go into the next part, actually, I just wanted to acknowledge that I think one thing you did point out that's valuable is that customs and traditions, while some of them may be longstanding, are not by definition required to be permanent things, right? Like you should be able to change things or switch them around if it stops working because how much science did people know when all these traditions were coming about? Like people still believe, oh, like, Men are women are not visually stimulated or whatever, and that's you know enabled so many customs around. Or oh, a man is someone who you have to try your best to hold down, like he can't control himself, you know, all that stuff. Because the moment he sees another woman, it's you know, it's whatever, but like you actually realize that 
it's more of a balance across like different genders and it varies across ages and it's much more nuanced than that. But there's a lot of scientific understanding that if people were aware of, they wouldn't hold on to the traditions that like, you know, that we, we hold on to so dearly and that's fine. Right. But I guess my next part was, I want to talk about like, uh, I guess marriage customs and Chilanga Mulilo. Right. And I'm not trying to ruin everyone's like, I guess, uh, like dreams of marrying or how they want to go about their marriage, uh, like preparations. But I wanted you guys to tell me like generally what happens to a woman, like as she's preparing to get married, once the engagement is announced, like what sequence, what are the sequences of events? What kind of trainings or teachings, if any, that women receive? Um, and yeah, like, can you just like walk any listener through that kind of process? Like what happens then? Okay, so um, when you are, and okay, aside from the modern engagement stuff, we see like, oh, they go to Hungry Lion, he proposes, they start saying, <laughs> <"Hungry Lion." laughs> but in our culture, that proposal is supposed to come after your parents are already, okay, I'm, not, I'm just saying this because that's the way it's supposed to be, according to the traditions that are there, at, at least for most tribes. But I know that's not what's being done by most couples today. Some propose to one another and now rely on whatever they decide it's in pimp before they go to the house. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so before, before you, you go and do your proposal, um, you have Bashivukombe and Wanabukombe. These terms, um, they have very similar names. Uh, depending on the tribe, I'm I'm speaking in Bemba, right? So I don't know in Yanja, it might have, you might have a similar theme. I don't know what's called in Yanja or in another language, but I'm sure there are similar themes. So you have to have like a representative of um the your 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 husband to be has to have a representative. So not just your father, but you can have your uncles, and then some people who your parents appoint to be your wanabukombe and washubukombe, they take to my plates, to the house, with money, and then the afterwards, they say, then they'll call you from your bedroom and ask you, do you know this man? Even though they know him. <laughs> 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 Coming to the house, they'll be like, do you know him? Just like, these are some of the small symbolic parts of tradition that I would like I would like to keep because that, it's not oppressive in any way. It's just, it's like an act. It's just, oh, do you know him? Your mother knows your boyfriend. You've been going out maybe for two years, three years. She, and you're maybe old enough according to her at that age. And so it's just a symbol. It's just symbolic. Like, oh, do you know this guy? Or oh, we're not going to give our child away to someone who she does not know and does she love him? So they ask you that. And then you say, oh, yes, I know him. Afterwards, there'll be discussions. They'll drink. I don't know. Whatever. It can be Fanta. It can be Mongoyo. It can be Chiwanto. It can be whatever. But though in that plate, it depends because we have like bride price. There's like bride price can be separated into two parts depending on the tribe. There's Ichuma and uh, Insalamu, which are two different things. And so I don't know if you want me to go into detail about those two things, or maybe I should say it later on. 
Yeah, no, just keep keep going. Whatever, whatever you want. Like, uh, okay, so like yeah, so like when they bring the the money in the plates afterwards, they are now officially engaged. And so you can in most households afterwards, you can now go and do a proposal in Hungary Line. And then they are now they are now officially engaged with the family and everyone and all the witnesses. And so afterwards, you have Ukuchi and Dila, and this is like, I'm speaking from Bembas. And when I say Bembas, I'm referring to like the Mambwes, the Lungus, the... Because you know Bembas colonized a lot of tribes in Northern province. And so a lot of culture that was Bemba was, was adopted by these smaller tribes. And so you find that most practices that Bembas do are done in a lot of smaller tribes, especially in the Northern part of Zambia. And so um, they'll be like Ukchindila. Now, this Ukchindila is just for the wife. The man does go through teachings, but it's not as long as for the woman. Mm. So the woman will be taken maybe for seven days, seven to six days. But due to like these days, they're taken to a house, to a, wherever they can find. A random ass house. <laughs> what? Yeah, no. Like you don't even know where you're going. You're, you're in a stranger's house. Yeah. And so, and you even have, because you have to have like Wanachimbusa, uh, you have to have Wanakosenge. Uh, this is like your father's sister who your mother appoints. If you don't have, they're not in good terms. You know, the family, your father's family side of the family is another issue. So if you're not in good terms, you just find some random people. And by the way, these processes are very expensive. These Vanachimbuzas make 3,000 kwacha every week. Every Friday, they pay them. Aside from that, they make a lot of money. Like in a month, they fought of these weddings. They can make my, my 100,000 kwacha, my chakti. But yeah, it's like, so after I, they appoint, they appoint these different people and they take you to this house. They start mm-hmm. teaching you about being a, a wife. And so it, with the Bembas and a lot of other tribes that adopted the Bemba culture, um, they, they, they watch this. They, when, you are, when you first start your periods, there's each songu that's an initiation ceremony for young girls. And so at that point, they, if you are in the village, they will, if you have been, maybe if you talk back at your mother or whatever, that you have been rude to your mother, she will pay people. Okay, they're supposed to be paid. Whoever goes to teach you these customs, they're expensive. They're not cheap. They're not, you can't just, no one can just pass them on to you for free. Maybe your cousin can or your aunt, but your mother can't because it's a taboo. She might know, but she can't pass them to you because it's a taboo. You ha- they have to be given to you by your auntie or your your cousins. And so if they're like your friends and your cousin's friends, they're going to pay them money. And so if you, that's each song. And so if you've been naughty and your mother tells them you've been naughty, they're going to beat you, like serious beating. Really? Because this, yeah. They're going to beat you, make you uh, tell you to try and like jump over certain places if you can't. They'll tell you about cooking and the like. So like that's just we're talking about a child who's like 13 years old, 12. I don't know. These days people start their periods earlier, but in the past these people are like 16, 17. 
That's why these people are starting their parents. But in this day, we have people starting their parents when they're like 10, 11. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't usually happen. But it, I'm sure it's something that's still widely practiced throughout the country. Mm-hmm. And then, that's yeah, it's a, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's a letter from your family. And so, in that initiation ceremony, they tell you something like for the members, they are what they call umlando at song. And so, this is something that's very like expensive because on your when they start chindilaling you for your before on your wedding day they are going to ask you for mulando at songo and if you don't have it they're going to charge your parents money so that they can simply tell you this it's not like it's not anything they're just words that they tell you <laughs> <laughs> like you pay money for someone to tell you words yes you it sounds it's, like university <laughs> 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 so they're just weird, but they they hold them with such high regard that they're very expensive mm. to get these weights. And so when they're chindilading you, that's another aspect. I don't know much about this because I've been trying to dive deeper into the topic, but every time I try to ask, like people are older than me. But my family members are like, no, it's not for your age. It's not for your age because I am not yet ready to get married, according to them, at this age. And so, in that, I am not very sure about what exactly goes on. But people have been told that there are a lot of old women dancing naked. We can remove that, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, when they do that, that's when you start going for Chilangamulilo, where I, I love Chilangamulilos. Like, that I'm fully in support of because you're simply showing um, your husband's family what you cook in your family. Like, what mm. food you have. For example, if you're getting married to a Tonga and you're from yeah, Soli, you're going to show these guys, oh, us as Solis, we cook this. And when you come to our house, you expect to find these types of foods. Mm. And so I like Chilanga Mulilos. At mm. least what I've been explained to. So I've talked too much, someone else can pick it up. But mm. I actually think that there'll be strong opinions on Chilanga Mulilos. So let's see. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there. How do you guys feel about Chilanga Mulilos? Honestly, if you ask me, I just want to, if I get married, I just want to get married in the court or at church and go with my husband to take on honeymoon. I'm not interested in. Even a reception, I don't want. But most likely, <laughs> much money. the mother will definitely force her to have some celebratory gathering. She'll plan it herself. <laughs> That's actually very interesting. I heard, like, uh, so, you know, some, some Zambian feminists have also had very, very strong opinions about Chilanga Mililo, the whole, I guess, some of the, some, you know, some of the acts uh degrading considering the fact that maybe like according to some people some of the acts are degrading because it's not balanced like on a gender basis it's like more Mm -hmm. of signing up like a woman for a life of servitude instead of it rather being a mutual thing so you know maybe someone has more to add there but that's i guess what most of the discussion i've heard is um, I guess the reason most people have a problem with it these days is because of, um, um, like Chichi has explained, how much focus is put on preparing a woman 
for marriage, you, like she's described, you have all these ceremonies. But for the men, I'm not sure. I, at least I haven't heard of like any ceremonies that they go through. So it's like two days of preparation. <laughs> not even two days. You put nothing. They only institute after the wedding day. Even if they the wife and they don't do anything. Before there's two days where they take the husband. That, that, I don't know anything about that. But there's that two-day ceremony. Two days or a day, depends on your family. Oh, yeah. Wait, so they can just yank a woman out of, like, it doesn't matter if she has a schedule. <laughs> no, they don't yank has, you. She's an executive or anything. She's just yanked away for marriage, like lessons. Can you be a online so coach? glad you asked that. Because mm-hmm. if no matter what your job is, like yeah. if you have anything to do, you have to set time aside for these ceremonies. And dare you say that I can't do that this time? Or I can't do these ceremonies for this long because these take long like some ceremonies preparing you for your chilangamulu can take up to a month of going to a stranger's house and what and what (laughs) so you can say i really can't do this for this long you will be shunned and frowned upon and yelled at saying you're not prioritizing your marriage and you're going to have bad luck in your marriage you're going to have this and this and that's only by saying Y'all, I have a work schedule. Can we do this in a weekend? <laughs> and it's not an option. Interesting. So I'm going to ask you guys, how many of you guys are willing on your chilanga to kneel down with a spoon Absent. in your mouth? <laughs> 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 Absent. Or raw side to side in dead. No. I want to I was, you have to open the because they wrap like the ports into my clothes. I don't know whatever clothes you choose or tomorrow. Yeah. Then you have to untie them with your mouth while kneeling. Your hands are behind your back. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> hands on your back. Anyway. And so I'm asking, you have to present the food. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, so how many of you are willing to do? I just want to see like a show of hands. How many? No, I don't know. I don't actually don't know what the reason for all of that is or the purpose of it. So I I really don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea of So you would Yeah, I like the idea too. Like the whole showing foods and everything. If that makes sense. What I don't understand is like the part you've just described. I don't know. I would I would like to find out more. I um okay, so I'm going to preface my opinions with the fact that I'm against most cultural practices, if not all. And this can be a very controversial opinion sometimes. Um we can talk about that, but um yeah, like I'm really against the that most all all of these cultural practices because first of all um i feel like most of the time the only reason behind them is their for lack of a better term sentimental value like we do this if you ask because you're not allowed to ask your mother about this stuff right so if you ask, ask your auntie or your grandmother 
it's why do we do this and it's like oh no we've always done this mm. but like okay but why have we always done this like no this is our culture uh, but like why exactly. <laughs> and it's like and of course you can't always yeah like you can't always question it of course there's things that you're going to do because you want to do them and just because you love doing them and if and if a person wants to go through these ceremonies and cultures then like 100% go for it they are they can be very beautiful and they can be very beautiful feelings and such but my problem comes in when like there's absolutely no reason other than teaching a woman how to serve and teaching her how to be okay with a life dedicated to servitude to your husband and to your family there's like there's no other reason other than that and it's so degrading and demeaning like like um one thing i've witnessed that like the chilanga millers i've attended is if you don't get your act straight um and if you don't do every little movement and tradition like to a t these random women that have been quote unquote training you for the past weeks sit you down in a literal circle they just put you on the floor and they surround you and they just start berating you about how you've been worthless and it's like that's supposed to build your grit or something like and the reason i'm so against these ceremonies other than the fact that they are so demeaning is like yes they can be beautiful but like is the sentimental value of these ceremonies really worth what you're teaching women to become and like the actual trauma that can come from these ceremonies mm. Mm. and i was just i was just going to say that if it's something that you have to expend so much effort teaching women to do then it stops becoming something that's in them by nature right exactly like you can't say a woman is supposed to be this in a marriage because that's her nature because if it was in their nature then you wouldn't have to teach them anyway right exactly. you would just know so kind of I, I i see like a lot of scientific research talks about how a lot of gender norms that we try and reinforce in society actually don't exist and we just teach people that as a woman you're supposed to clean and serve your husband and you know split the rent 50-50 but he gets to decide where the money goes anyway and then you cook on top of that and clean and like a man doesn't yeah. do anything like it seems That's more confusion. like confusion in the household guys <laughs> why <laughs> so i'm i'm going to ask a question and the answer is basically you guys just basically chime in and just yell fact or fiction right so number one uh, uh, so according to zambian culture for bride price if you pay you have to pay a certain price to marry someone but upon divorce with the wife's family the family has to pay you back as a man what they were paid what they paid initially to marry a woman fact or fiction fact Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but sometimes like in the actual sense it plays out differently like they request the portion back or suddenly when the man dies you just hear he never even finished paying her bride price like bro why won't you talking about him that finished paying the whole time he was alive and now when he dies you know like there are really funny things 
There are also circumstances to consider, like, does this marriage have kids? Because the bride price, we can't just look at it as bride price. It's separated in two, two aspects. There's one aspect of Ichuma and the other one of, it's, I don't know, I forgot him. But then the aspect of Ichuma has to come with the whole virginity thing. That's also another con- another conversation. Was this was this woman a virgin when they were getting married or not? And so... I'm, I'm really, I'm not mean to interrupt you, but you know, apart from virginity, even just decency is considered. I've overheard conversations yeah. about women's bride price, and then they like they would say, "Okay, let's pay so much," and then the people would say, "This woman, she works." I don't know how to say it in English, but how can we pay so much money for somebody who doesn't mm-hmm. who dress well? Yeah. And, the woman might even be a virgin, but just because she wore a mini skirt and posted the picture on Instagram, everything is lost. Watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, my second fact of fiction question is: during marriage ceremonies, there is a procedure where some elderly women, some of which you may have never met before, reveal their nakedness to you in order to teach you sex positions. Fact or fiction? Fact. What? Depends on your tribe, but yeah, fact. Okay, I, I don't know about that one, but what the ladies who have said so what? There are well, what the one I know of. I don't know if um, well, they require. Well, I don't know if they require, but they ask you, quote unquote, very nicely. To for you to take off your clothes so that they can teach you about your body. Um. And then there's also yeah, it depends on like um the elders you get right. Either they ask you to take off your clothes so they can show you stuff, or they will take off their clothes and they'll be like, "This is for this, and this is for this." Crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. So, I, man, in the interest of time, I'll just keep going. So maybe just to switch up things, uh, I, w- I wanted to talk more about ambitions and maybe can kind of take the initial response here. Um, but of course, everyone, feel free to answer. I'm just wondering if... Um, you feel like traditionally you have been encouraged to be ambitious, to pursue jobs or positions in life or projects in life that may be time consuming and may potentially make it hard for you to be um, like focused on family life, that sort of thing. Or do you feel like in your future plans, everyone or like customarily um, people ask you to make space for marriage or make space to be someone who's going to be cooking or cleaning or that sort of thing? Um, On this one, honestly, I'm very happy because um, growing up and even up to now, I was never told um, by the people that were around me or the people that raised me, I was never told to um, stay away from certain subjects or certain interests because I was a girl or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I was never told any of that. Nobody, even every time I was told, told how to do things like cooking, cleaning, laundry, 
never I was never ever told that it was because of marriage or mm-hmm. anything like that. I I just knew that this was a thing because I saw memes about it or I heard my friends talking about how they were always told if you don't do this you won't be good in marriage or anything like that. But I'm thankful that I was never told that and also I was surrounded by a lot of women who like had full careers and everything and they were still good mothers and wives so i don't feel like i was ever pressured to do that mm-hmm. anyone else want to chime in okay so so i, I was i was looking through uh a lot of research and a lot of research papers and it actually does show that there is a trend especially within sub-saharan african countries these days that a lot of younger women are displaying like lower fertility rates which is just the average number of children that a woman is expected to produce throughout their household and that's like correlated with um an ease with which uh women uh allowed to like take up jobs or take up roles in society and everything um but i was just wondering if you guys knew of anyone because this could also be like a discussion on privilege right like maybe some some of our families are think like thankfully at least more maybe like uh maybe different how can i say more progressive uh, or uh, at least yeah progressive enough to maybe understand the societal implications of stopping a young girl from taking after school classes or extracurricular programs in order to babysit a younger brother or something like that um because they believe that that's a woman job woman's job to do or something like that but i was just wondering if um if at any point in life you were not you are not able to have a child because you are starting a company or something like that or you are busy with if a couple of things do you feel like there would be a negative sentiment towards that or if you you guys ultimately chose not to have children do you feel like culturally or some or traditionally some people would have something to say about it <laughs> without a doubt and some of it may be positive because you know there's this uh not not really exactly be positive, but a lot of uh, people, at least the general consensus among Africans, is that children are blessing. And so, if somebody um, just says, "I don't want to have children," people look at them like, "Oh my gosh, people are going to have children. Why can't you just have a child?" And then those are the those are the people that like misunderstand some. I don't know. I would say that they misunderstand some things. But then there would also be those people to say, um, oh my gosh, um, you don't realize that when you want to have a child, you won't have because you've been dating long. Or how do you think you'll keep a marriage without a child? When you're, if your husband wants to have a child and you don't want, he'll leave you for another woman who can bear his name, continue the family image. Sometimes that some of these issues are a lot more complex and they're presented. So it's very like disheartening to hear uh, a decision that somebody's made because of a person's circumstances be simplified to something that 
may not even be part of the real issue why the they did not have children at a particular time. So, yeah. Mm. And just on that one, I remember, like you mentioned, that the husband would leave you for someone who wants, like, in, in, in pursuit of his family name continuing, right? And it's just funny how imbalanced the discussion about divorce is in African families, because usually men, yeah, women are told that a man will leave you if you can't do X, Y, and Z for him. But, like, for a lot of women, they are told marriage is hard, men are difficult, and you just have to endure or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's not only a after a wedding. There's a post-wedding ceremony where you sit down and adults, people are married, just say things like advice. It's a good thing, but then it's a custom to tell a woman. I remember my cousin telling me that she heard um, the wife being told the husband's cheating does not break your home, but your cheating will break the home. So Because it's heavier, like it's heavier, so it, like it weighs more. So like it will break the home, like the home one, like when, <laughs> when you cheat. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I guess the brunt of our conversation as we are nearing towards the end of our very, very interesting discussion. And I mean, there are, you can't exhaust this discussion because there are so, so many ways in which it could go but wanted to talk about like female women's health and more specifically you know topics of menstrual well-being menstrual health because um there's a like a, an advocate um in for women's rights in zimbabwe who uh i think a, a few months ago uh, tweeted that Zimbabwean lives matter and she was arrested by the government um, and put in cells. And well, she was just detailing her experience with seeing how, because of a lack of voice for women in the, like in, in just governmental structures, like you could see that women didn't, even in prison cells, didn't have access to like um you know menstrual hygiene so they would just you know have their periods in a cell that's filled that's meant for 15 people but there were over like 60 women sharing the same cell and they were just you know having their periods in the middle of covid and it was it's very hot you know in like you know within the tropics so you have that mixture within a prison cell and just women's rights and like women's considerations are not there and I don't know if that's even something that's represented within regular structures like public bathrooms. I think tampons should be free and affordable. Pads should be free and affordable. But do you guys feel like part of the reason is that there's a blockade to this conversation because people consider uh, talking about women's health, specifically, you know, topics about their vaginas or like sexual, uh, just, you know, like, you know, maybe, yeah, just body parts, do you feel like they're considered taboo and that's why they're not really addressed? Or do you feel like there's no, like, representation of women in administrative structures? I don't know who wants to take this one. Um, I think it's definitely because it's made a taboo to talk about things like menstruation to men. So there's a lot of misinformation 
Yeah, I think most girls are told from the time they start their periods that they shouldn't know males, should know about it, not their fathers, not their brothers. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know how it works, but for a lot of people, even if you're in a situation where you have maybe started your period and you need hygienic products like maybe pads and the only person available is like your male cousin or your brother, you can't really tell them because they're not supposed to talk about it. So. Okay. That may be one of the reasons. Mm. Do you guys remember when Mutale Mwanza was almost kicked off of QFM because she said the word vagina on radio? And yeah. the reason was not because there were children listening, but because those are sacred, <laughs> <laughs> sacred body parts. And you yeah, can't talk about sacred. I around the word sacred in this country. <laughs> and... Uh, like, yes, the, the vagina is sacred, but it, is it now sacred for me to ask my brother to go to the casino and buy me pads if I have cramps? No, it's not. It's really not. I mean, women haven't been liberated in, in Zambia and in many cultures. Menstruation, we're not supposed to be ashamed. Like, I'm, I know some. Um, menstrual day, they're like proud menstruator. Like it's really hard for girls to go out and say I'm a proud menstruator. It's like mm-hmm. menstruation is what is this? What's this animal? As if mm-hmm. it's something that a curse or something. But mm-hmm. so why is it a taboo? Why is it a taboo to talk? Because I can say penis, you know, any day, any time. Like you know, it's probably not the most appropriate thing to talk about it. But like I could tell someone. Like if I needed some, like if I don't know something happened, I could talk about it. I think circumcision is not really a hot topic, like as much as even menstrual. Like at least this is from my perspective. Like I think people ask, like you know, talk about circumcision a lot more than they do about like you know, like menstrual cycles or something like that. So why why is it a taboo? Lack of sexual liberation for women. But why? Uh, Women are not liberated. It's just everything about the woman. You can, at least from my understanding, from like the the culture where I was raised, everything about you is just, I don't know. You just have to keep it within this small box. I don't know. Like, okay, I understand. Um, Like, cultures try to be like, oh, like, they try to hold on to these um, practices so that they can, they, they can just, like, that's the uniqueness is what makes our culture. Like, oh, they keep certain things to themselves at this period and you want to learn what they're keeping from you. And so as time went by, these things were like, it was normal, but in today's world, women are trying to be free because these are the same things that kept women within boxes and prevented them from achieving certain goals and so it's just something that has been passed on and we need to remove it from our heads and say it's okay to say i'm a straighter and it's okay to talk about vaginas there's nothing wrong with that it's just like any other body part mm-hmm. um i think that like if i may mm-hmm. <laughs> i think um like since or most of our conversation has been about like um tradition and culture and like 
coming into menstruation and women's bodies, I feel like at the crux of it, anything that has to do with women's body and um, reproductive health is seen as taboo because it doesn't fit within the lens we've been given since childhood. I feel like a lot of our cultures and traditions, especially as um, women or if you identify as women, it's a lot of it has to do with, like we've talked about this whole time, how you're going to be a good mother, a good wife, um, good protector of your home or whatever and i feel like once you take a woman's body out of her role of being those things and her role of um pleasing can i say the word pleasing pleasing or advancing a man once you take a woman's body out of that context it automatically becomes disgusting to talk about um like if you take, for example, breasts, it's such a taboo for breasts are a very sexualized body part. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this woman has great breasts. Oh, she has tiny breasts. Oh, she has big breasts, blah, blah, blah. And it's all fun and games to talk about people's boobs or whatever. But as soon as it's no longer a sexual conversation, for example, if becomes a debate about a woman breastfeeding her child in public all of a sudden breasts are disgusting and no one wants to see that mm-hmm. so i feel like the same thing with reproductive health and menstruation and all of that once you take a woman's body out of the context of sexualization and the people's pleasure it becomes mm-hmm. disgusting and it becomes a taboo which is weird and i feel like that's it's the same thing with almost every we have traditions, certain traditions and cultures because um, men's bodies are there to serve and please, which is, which is weird. But when we're ready to have that conversation, we'll have it. <laughs> so this is awesome. And we need to begin wrapping up our conversation because there's just so much to unpack and we just can't get to the end of it. But on the topic of women's rights, menstrual health, you know, women's bodies and liberation, I'm going to read something from Wikipedia, um, which says, according to a report in the Global Press Journal, labia stretching, which is defined as the practice of lengthening the labia minora, which is the inner lips of female genitals, through manual manipulation, pulling, or physical equipment, such as weights, um, is very common in Zambia, but such a social taboo that it is rarely discussed. It is defended by traditional marriage counselors and challenged by uh, feminist activists. Wala Nalungwe, a feminist and activist, says that powerful cultural figures, such as marriage counselors, and family matriarchs unfairly pressure young women to stretch their labia. Even older women do not understand why they pull their labia. She says, they manufacture false reasons to support the practice, scaring girls into pulling. The practice of labia stretching denies women and girls autonomy over their bodies and sexuality, she says. 
It's unfair that girls and young women are taught to put their labia minora for the sake for the sexual gratification of their male partners, not for their own fulfillment. All right. Now, very, very hot topic. And the World Health Organization actually classified this initially as genital mutilation, but um, has since reclassified it to genital modification instead. Um, and it also goes further that in a BBC report, um, according to their criteria, they labeled such a practice as child abuse because it is not always on a person's consent that such a practice is um, enacted. And so I just want to say this because this is extremely wild and I have never met any guy who is aware of this but each and every single Zambian female I speak to, a Zambian woman I speak to, knows that this is a thing and it is very much a social taboo to like address the topic. So I just want to say, is it fact or is it fiction? Are women in Zambia at a certain <laughs> point, maybe even before they are like considering marriage, approached to pull the lips of their labia minor? Fact or fiction? Fact. Wow. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little worked up because this topic kind of grinds my gears, not only because it's such a big problem and yet people don't talk about it, but also because among the many reasons why it's my guess is that the same men who we are apparently doing this for are usually quite clueless as to what we are doing. <laughs> no idea. You know? I mean, like, I wish it's like, you know, that thing why your why your why your mom tells tells you you don't know what I do to sacrifice for your kids, and she's so upset. And like, that's literally the thing. Like, why am I doing so much and sacrificing so much of my physical comfort for a guy who doesn't even know what I'm doing? And maybe I haven't even met him yet. And, you know, the other reason is also because, like, um, you mentioned earlier about how a lot of the time people are scared into these things. A lot of women and girls that I have interacted with that do this don't do it because they want to or they enjoy the process of uh, the stretching. They do it because they've been told by their aunties that I think that if you don't have this, I'm so sorry, I always end up speaking bimba. But if you don't have this, your husband will leave you, your marriage won't last, uh, everybody does this, you, your mom won't tell you, but us and your aunties were supposed to tell you. In fact, if you want, don't ask your mother, but ask your grandma, she will also tell you. And you know, like, some people go as far as to, I've had, like, women I know that I... I I, res I respect it. They went as far as sourcing by themselves, you know. And yeah, I said, no, I don't, I don't know, I don't do that. They went, they brought for me the same herbs that they use for, for doing that. Herbs. I, I had to get them out of respect because I couldn't, I, I was asking them questions, you know, why do we do this? All because of your husband. Why, what are the other reasons they don't have? And then now, if you if you say, oh no, I'll ask my aunt, but I won't do it, or you see, when you get married, you remember me, and you know, like a young man who has no footing or personal sense of self, 
or even a sense of what actually goes on into securing a marriage, will be so fearful and will be so scared that her marriage will break down because of something that somebody told her. And now it's like, we all know that sex is only a small part of what makes a marriage work. I mean, like, sex is important. Don't come and say that me, I'm against sex or what. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that if you have <laughs> in the bedroom, but about money you can't discuss, most likely you're going to discuss. You're going to assist. You're going to end up having issues in your marriage because you don't have communication skills. I, would, I feel like <laughs> I feel like we should spend more time focusing on vital things and tell young women, if you want to pull your, 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 your money pills, pull them, but it's not the most important thing. Go for therapy. I rest my case. Mm-hmm. Okay, just to put it out there to add on this, you know, you're pulling your labia minoris for holding the penis when you're in action. And if you if you if you are giving birth, if you if you haven't pulled your childbirth will be painful. I was told I was told that men like to play with it, and I was like, what? <laughs> On the weirdos. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I was actually going to wonder, like, I was going to ask, like, I heard that it's not entirely optional because apparently when you begin marriage customs, um, when you, yeah, when you begin marriage customs, you are forced to do it or people do it for you right on the spot yeah um some i know that i mean these are for like the very like these days people choose to skip some some ceremonies or whatever but in like very traditional ceremonies and like people who choose to go through them or whatever um, one of the first things they do is check if, like, you've pulled your malape. Wait, are we supposed to be using Rivia Mandora? <laughs> I mean, um, it, it's up to you. That's what the name of it is, so... Yeah. <laughs> the One of the first things they do is check if you've, if you've done it. Then, like, as a child, when you're first being told that, like, this is something you're supposed to do for yourself, you're told that once you get older and when, and when you start doing your ceremonies, if they check and then they see that you don't have, they'll do it for you and it will hurt. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, as a child, you should do it so that you do it on your own. It doesn't pain. You do it slowly and slowly. Like, when they find that you haven't, do, haven't done it, they'll do it right there on the spot with whatever instruments and the herbs and whatever, and it will hurt. So Hot pigs? Yeah. Sometimes they use, like, hot metal instruments or whatever. Oh um, so that's an that's another aspect of like so as a kid or whenever you're told to do this i think i was told when i was 11 mm-hmm. i don't know i was in primary school i don't remember the age mm-hmm. um yeah, you as a kid at that age you don't know anything but you're faced with the decision for okay should i like just face the pain now or like i might am, am i going to do it later anyways and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird spot to put kids in. I won't lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. the thing. And, and and I feel like these are issues that require a lot of representation on because I feel like that's what the legislature exists for, right? Like if it is a form of child abuse, right, you should have policies or policymakers who are able to 
speak on that issue and ensure that women or children are not forced into a practice that they um that they they don't they don't consent to and they should have all the protections against that but um, yeah, for sure. i just wanted to ask if there were any final words before we wrap anything up this has been a very insightful conversation i've learned that i can propose in pep i've learned <laughs> 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 yeah um but i just wanted to say thank you so much you guys have been on like a wealth treasure trove of resources and just like i guess experiences that i feel like a lot of people are able to relate to and i feel like we do have a way forward in all of this that we've touched on very thoroughly so just wanted to thank each and every one of you thank you so much for um hanging out with us at the village uh for our listeners stay tuned because we've got more exciting content coming up but I guess from us, unless there are any last words, it's over now. Me? Oh, oh, okay. Please go ahead. I just wanted to say that I support traditions and cultural practices. Except I only, I only don't support them when they're oppressive. But otherwise, we can rewrite our traditions. It's not something that someone has a gun to our head with. So we can rewrite oppressive traditions. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth. That's on period. That's on Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> I think my last words would be um, like, you know, I think as a, as a woman, as women, we must learn to see our values not in only in hypothetical children that we might have in the future. Um, or a hypothetical man that might marry us and find pleasure in us in the future. But uh, I think for me as a as somebody who believes in, in, in a God, um, I would say that just as people, we should value ourselves as people who are created individually and who have so much more value than situations that may not even come in the future. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that's weird. And that's in that. Okay. Great job. Wow. Well done. Nice. We can turn on our video. That was fantastic. That was superb. That was 10 out of 10. That was, uh, that was, I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> you, did, uh, you did everything excellent. You guys just killed it. You crushed the the crash <laughs> you crashed it <laughs> so i'd like to applaud you guys for the job well done thanks for all the insight <laughs>